I think there's been an influx of political conversation. And it's tiring, man. Oh, it's tiring to talk about all the time, even though it's like important, right? Because it like changed a lot of people's lives, stuff like that. But at the same time, yeah, you make things what they're self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? The bigger, the bigger you make something seem, the bigger it will be. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's good to step away from that sometimes. You know, we talk about comic relief and stuff like that. I think it's it's cool. It's cool to to take a step back from all the political discussion. Uh, today, um, I I, th- I talk a lot about growing up in different places, and I think it's cool to kind of express what. I've learned and I know a lot of people I've seen a lot of people I don't know what they're trying to do to be honest but they always like take like a two-week vacation or like a one-month vacation to somewhere and they're like these are all the things I've learned about this culture and like all these things it's the same as like the, the people who are like um taking like one psychology course in college this one block this one semester and then knows all this information about the topic um it's admirable how much you love it and like it that you are sharing your knowledge on it but there's always more more (laughs) there's always more to that but you can say that about anything so i'm probably just being annoying but i think depending where you're come from like for example if you've never left like europe and then you go to asia for the first time i think it's gonna be insane uh you learn so much um and it's uh, really cool but f- uh or oh, same thing if like you grew up in asia a whole life and then go to europe um or even america or africa wherever you know different places around the world have different cultures and different norms and that's something I'm going to talk about. So I think it's super interesting because I grew up in very different cultures. It's insane. Um, I have one half of my family being uh, Asian or Chinese. And the other half of my family being uh, Dutch. And even though I did spend a large sum of my life in Malaysia. Which is interesting because it's a country that kind of prides itself on its... Uh, three largest um, races, which is Malay, Indians, and Chinese. There are also other races, of course, um, but these are the number, like the top three, and it's in like a lot of ads in Malaysia's politics. Um, If you see like the phrase Satu Malaysia, which is like a unity of the three races in Malaysia, and obviously all the races in Malaysia, of course. But these are the big three, you know. There are many, 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 but these are the big three. And then the other half is the Dutch side, which is just Dutch. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. And the way things are done is very, very different. So, uh, the white culture is... Uh, I don't even know anymore <laughs> white culture. Or, like, Dutch culture. Yeah, that's that's that makes more sense. Um, Dutch culture is different. There's a large emphasis on independence and uh, the way to live life is completely different. So I lived uh, a large sum of my life in Malaysia and then I spent the last uh, like three years in 
the Netherlands, but I've visited back before stuff like that. But uh, I think it's uh, very interesting. So I grew up in Malaysia with uh, a very interesting education system as well, which I think uh, uh, I would like to talk about. So uh, uh, my main point, I think, is just to kind of see the differences between the two places because it's really insane some aspects. But some aspects are also very similar. So depending on what household you grew up in uh, Malaysia you will grow up differently I feel like because even though Malaysia as a whole is a, has a very similar lifestyle if you grew up Malay if you grew up Indian if you grew up Chinese there are there will be variations in the way you grow up because they are also everything you know like I feel like uh, Westerners uh, have very similar ways of getting uh, married right you have this uh, at least in movies you have this very ideal version of like walking down the aisle maybe going in a horse carriage walking down the aisle having a priest or a minister or like some person it doesn't even have to be religious just kind of like anointing these two humans to be together and yeah it's like yeah uh and even though i know different western cultures may have different ways of doing it i know like greece they have the whole throwing the plate thing and then opa Uh, yeah there are some variations but a lot of it is very similar Um, but Chinese, Indian and Malay they can vary a lot they are very similar in some aspects but also vary a lot so there's usually like um, a very massive massive party of hundreds of people Uh, I'm most familiar with the Chinese version because well I'm half Chinese and I can kind of guide through how it works it's like uh, it can range for multiple days long uh, to, uh, but most of the time it's one to two days. Um, the weddings I've been through is like two days long. And it's interesting, it's very interesting. Um, you have the, at least the way my brother got married, and his wedding was a mix of modern and traditional. But I also have cousins who got married in the village, um, and it's a lot more traditional. And it starts off with, um, uh, kind of like a priest but like a Chinese version of it and he goes around kind of leading the whole thing and then there's many things because you play all sorts of games <laughs> yeah yeah it's a thing it's a cultural thing you play games on your wedding so the goal is for the groom uh, and his groomsmen and uh, the brides and her bridesmaids so the bridesmaids kind of hide the bride in the house and the goal is for the groomsmen to kind of get through all these challenges uh, to get to the bride. So it varies many different ways. Um, the bridesmaids can set up as many obstacle courses and as many challenges for the grooms, uh, grooms and the groomsmen as they want. And the groomsmen supposed to help as much as possible the groom to go through it. So a lot of times the groom will be like, "Go do this," and then the groomsmen will be like, "Yeah, I'm supposed to help you, bro," you know, and stuff like that. But of course, the groomsmen, the groom himself, also has to contribute to the challenges, and it really varies. It can be anything, but it's just a bunch of challenges. Um, yeah, I think my brother had one where he had to dip his face in a bucket of flour to dig out candy with his mouth and only his mouth. Like his face, you know, and then he came out being all white. <laughs> and yeah, and then I remember at my cousin's wedding, they had to like get through the gate 
and then they were yelling and screaming even some attempted to climb the gate it was interesting like and it's just a bunch of challenges and then your goal is to reach the bride and then when you finally reach the bride and there's a whole ceremony that happens there and then there's also the tea drinking ceremony which is uh interesting uh you have the uh bride and groom uh and then you have the parents or siblings uh, it goes by hierarchy so parents usually come first and then uh, all like grandparents uh, parents siblings and then like cousins and then uh yeah other family members and then friends yeah it's like a whole thing and yeah uh, i believe the if you're like a parent or sibling you give the bride and groom gifts and a lot of time that's in a form of gold you have like necklaces. Um, I for my brother's wedding, I was the one that received the gift on his behalf. Uh, like not received the gift, sir. I stood behind him as he received the gift and kind of collected it. Um, and the groom, uh, the groom has one uh, person, and then the the bride has one person. Uh, yeah, I'm only talking about same sex marriages here. Uh, not same sex. Oh my goodness, what am I talking about? I'm only talking about like traditional marriages here. Well, to be fair, all marriages should be okay now i'm going on a big tangent but like i'm talking about only opposite gender marriages because i have yet to attend a same-sex marriage i'm only talking about opposite uh, gender marriages uh but i assume a lot of these aspects can be reflected onto same-sex marriages but i'm not exactly sure about that um but yeah so you have this tea drinking ceremony where uh you drink tea along with like your parents and uh yeah and then everyone gives you gifts and then what the groom does or the bride black both sides they receive the gift and then they turn around and give it to whoever is helping so i was the one that received it from my brother and then the bride had her sister do it so yeah uh, and we both kind of received it and we kind of write names on the gift so we can remember who gave what and it adds up it's really expensive gifts uh, gold necklaces one even gave a gold bar it was a lot but yeah it's a whole process and you have to do it at the the groom's house and then the bride's house so you start out in the groom's house in the morning and then there's a whole process because you have to get in a car and then you have to honk when you're close to the bride's house like honk 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 it's, it's very apparent when someone's getting married at least in malaysia or like at least in like certain villages depending on what race you belong to and there are different uh, re- uh, cultures and like ways of doing it but for the chinese one yeah you honk when you're close to the house and it's gonna be very obvious so like everyone knows yeah yeah someone's getting married today um yeah and then you arrive and then there's a whole thing uh that you have to do there's a lot a lot a lot of small technical things that it's like gonna be very hard to describe but these are the main things so you have like the games where you fight to get into the bride's house and these are not just like ooh games that you choose to have at a wedding these are games that every traditional chinese wedding has it's a process um and obviously um maybe some modern ones don't or like as they progress it may change but this is a very much traditional way of doing it and then you have the tea ceremony and uh yeah and then it goes on and on and then for my uh and then you have a reunion dinner which is uh or like just a big wedding dinner and it's um it's very traditional like chinese cooking usually like i don't f- mm, 
I don't think Westerners have this because I've never attended a situation where it happened. But like uh, the dinners are very much like all round tables, all across a big, 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 big hall, and then all the f- uh, there's usually seven to eight courses, and it's of different different foods. And yeah, I know in like uh, fine dining establishments of like Western uh, um, society, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, three courses is a lot right but then it's three heavy courses so you have like your soup and then your ap- uh, or like your appetizer of some kind and then your main dish and then your dessert and it's three very heavy courses in chinese or like um yeah in chinese uh dinners you have like some eight courses but they're all like light so it's like you have like a massive bowl of like vegetables but a shared amount of table of like 12 people so by the time it gets to the eighth uh course which is dessert or nine course it depends seven eight nine courses uh eight is for luck um but i but yeah it varies uh it's different and and because so many people eat at one table there's like 10 to 12 people at one table it's not a lot sometimes there's leftover sometimes there isn't sometimes the plate is clean and there's like a vegetable course a soup course meat course tofu egg like there's so many things but yeah, it's just super, super interesting. So this is like a very, like, kind of vague idea of like how a Chinese wedding should be, uh, will be, or yeah, whatever. And the Western version is just, <laughs> uh, as far as uh, <laughs> I've, you know, conjured up in my brain and saw and see, uh, it's, yeah, it's carriage, go down, walk down the aisle. Oh, there's a reunion, uh, no, there's a, what is that, some... Uh, in America, they call it a uh, rehearsal dinner. It is, that's a very American thing. I don't think they have it in in uh, Dutch. They just have in uh, Netherlands, all of other Western cultures. I think they just have like a big fancy dinner, like a wedding dinner. But yeah, walk down the aisle. I do. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that's that. So that's like the wedding aspect, which was I found was completely different and but very very cool. Um, yeah, and then you have the education system, which is very, very different. Um, not only in the subjects that they teach, but the way it was being taught. So some people might find this uh, triggering, but in when in my primary school, um, caning was very, very common. And now a lot of people might be like, oh my gosh, child abuse. But back then, it was expected. And the psychology went as far as to, like, if... I made a mistake or if I had a spelling or if I had like something wrong or if I didn't do my homework or whatever it may be. Uh, when I say had a spelling because we I went to Chinese school and there was like for example 10 new words we had to learn and then in the uh, we were given like a week or something and then in the next uh, when it happens the teacher would just recite this word and then we have to write it down and then after reciting all 10 words in a random order uh, she would grade it and then whoever got like uh, six, uh, uh, whoever get, uh, like, got four wrong, or, like, five wrong, which is, like, 60-50%, all had to be caned, and depending on the teacher, it, uh, ranges, uh, right, you can get two canes per wrong answer, or whatever, you know, every teacher had it differently, but, yeah, it was very, very common, and it, it went as far as to be like, okay, so you got the answer wrong, you need to tell your parents to buy you a cane, and I will beat you with that cane, and this was respected. I went home and I was like, hey, I need to get a cane. I got this stuff wrong. And like, yeah, why do you get it wrong? Now we have to go out and buy you a cane. At the time, every family member, every, not family member, sorry, every household, every Chinese household 
or, or like every fa- uh, household that had a child attended uh, Chinese school. I am not exactly sure if this applies to Malay or Indian schools, so I can't say. But I do know in Chinese school, this was very normal. And yeah, I know in America, maybe everyone would get cancelled <laughs> because I'm saying this, but this is like a norm. And as far as I know, this is no longer practiced now. But it was definitely a norm, like not more than like 10 years ago, which is crazy. Yeah, so caning was very, very normal. Uh, and the schools were run on embarrassment and fear. <laughs> I didn't bring a history book to class and I was told to hold a broomstick above my head for the whole hour and by the end of the hour I couldn't feel my arms and you might think yeah child abuse but yeah at the time this was the norm and a lot a lot a lot of my friends who did attend Chinese primary school can relate and we've talked about this and we've shared stories about this and yeah and this is how society progresses if you want to go and start canceling schools now like just just don't bother like honestly it's a cultural difference and i think it's cool to learn about it um and make changes from it right so this is just the way my school was and then as i entered high school or i don't know how you guys uh, like gauge this but for me yeah, I had primary school and secondary school and primary schools range from 7 years old to 12 years old and secondary school range from 13 years old to 17 years old and yeah when I entered uh, secondary school uh, it was no longer I think like it was just yeah it was not even close but the content that we learned definitely was interesting we had uh, the basics. I think every school maybe teach different things, or maybe different countries teach different things. But in Malaysia, for the school I went to, we had the basics, which is like math, science, English. And then because it's Malaysia, we had to learn the uh, national language, which is Malay. Even though everyone knows, in Malaysia, everyone knows at least two languages. Um, English, because it's universal, I guess, at least in Malaysia. And then Malay, which is a national language. And for me, uh, because I was uh, Chinese, oh, my mom's Chinese, and I went to Chinese school, I learned Chinese. Uh, Mandarin, sorry. <laughs> I grew up saying Chinese, but uh, Mandarin. I know Mandarin. Um, and my family speaks Cantonese amongst themselves, so I know some level of Cantonese as well. Uh, but uh, as far as I know, if you're a Malay citizen in Malaysia, not all of them may know three languages. They will know English and Malay. But anyone else who is Indian or Chinese, uh, they would know at least three languages, which is their own language, which is like either if you're Indian and Hindi or uh, any other dialect, or if you're Chinese like uh, me, then I would have known Mandarin. On top of that, English and Malay. Um, And this is just a common thing uh, in Malaysia. So yeah, uh, an average citizen would know at least two languages, but a lot, a lot, a lot of citizens would know three because of uh, whether they're... uh, A lot of, uh, actually, a lot of uh, Malay students do go to Chinese school. Like, just because when I say Chinese, Indian, and Malay school, uh, government school, uh, does not necessarily mean that if you're born uh, Chinese or of Chinese descent, you automatically go to Chinese school. No, 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 it's an option. A lot of, like... Uh, Indian kids or Malay kids do go to uh, a, another school of another race. Like I know an Indian friend who went to uh, the same Chinese school as I did, 
and I'm sure sure there's a lot of like maybe Chinese kids who maybe go to Indian schools and like vice versa and, like it's not like something you were born into and then you have to go to the school no it's a choice it's really up to you what uh, school you went to so my little brother uh, he went to Chinese school with me for a very short while like a year or something and he transferred to a Malay school so then he carried out his uh, private uh, like primary school education in uh, a Malay school so yeah so my capacity of Mandarin is like higher than him because of this as well so it really like depends but yeah so those who have not been to if you've never traveled before in your life or if you are residing right now in a western country I think it's really cool information to kind of have an insight into the education of like other countries so this is Malaysia uh, in secondary school, I uh, yeah I went to a, uh, a different kind of school where like yeah caning was or it's no longer uh, uh, not even done it's not allowed at all uh, but yeah you have like the basic um, you have the basic uh, stuff that you learn so you have math science uh, which was in English uh, funny enough in Mandarin school I took math and science both in Mandarin and in English. <laughs> So uh, it was interesting. But no, when I went to secondary school, I just took it in English. So I had math and science in English. But now, as far as I know, they changed it. And everyone's learning math and science in Malay. So, But when I went to secondary school, it was in English. And then we had uh, civics in the first couple of years. But then when you reach like the upper forms... So you have uh, secondary schools ranging from 13 to 17. And it goes Form 1, Form 2, Form 3, Form 4, Form 5. Those are the names of the different uh, years. So yeah, uh, at around Form 3, I think everyone stopped taking civics. And Form 4 and Form 5, uh, we took civics and moral. And you might say, what's the difference? Well, <laughs> uh Ironically enough, if you're of uh, if you're of Islamic descent or if you're a Muslim or a, uh, yeah Islam, you have to go to Islamic class while everyone else takes moral class. So I am not Islam. I'm not from. I'm not like uh, a Muslim. So I did not take Islamic classes. But I do have friends who are uh, Islamic and they went for uh, Islamic classes. Uh, in this time where uh, we the students will split, so those who are Islam will go to Islam classes, and uh, who those who are Muslim went to Islamic classes, and then those who are, who were not went to moral classes. So that's what I took. I took moral, and yeah, uh, we split that way. But I think the moral classes were absolutely ridiculous because we were taught to just memorize thirty six values. So we had like uh, trust, kindness, authenticity. Uh, all stuff like this and we just had to memorize the definition word for word and then vomited it out in the exams and it was absolutely ridiculous I thought moral class was just immoral <laughs> because, like I just thought that moral class was really unnecessary because he didn't teach you anything moral you know <laughs> um, but yeah th those are just uh, my thoughts uh, on that um, uh, yeah so you have math, science, uh, moral, Islam depending uh, you have English and then you have Mandarin uh, yeah, uh, in at least my school, everyone had to take Mandarin. So there was level A, B, C for Mandarin, or level 1, 2, 3. So those who had, like, like fluency in Mandarin will go to level A. And then those who uh, kind of speaks Mandarin, but it's not very that strong, they'll go level B. And then C is for everyone else who have zero idea of any Mandarin whatsoever uh, will go to that level. 
So I never had to learn Mandarin. Ever had to learn Malay. And then we have history, which is called Sejarah. Um, yeah, we had that in Malay because, yeah, Sejarah. Uh, we had history. And uh, when you're in upper forms, when you're in Form 4 and Form 5, you get to choose between art stream and science stream. So art stream would consist of account, um, not accounts. Accounts? I can't even remember because I didn't even take art stream. Um, but science stream had additional mathematics, which is like just further mathematics. And then you had um, chemistry, bio, uh, biology, and physics. So those were the dis like differences. I went to science stream. And yeah, I can't even remember. It's been a while. I can't remember what other subjects I took. Um, but yeah, the most prominent for me was the last two years. That's why I remember biology, physics, and chemistry the most. Uh, there's a lot more subjects, of course. I just can't remember right now. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, maybe another episode. I think about it. <laughs> but yeah, those are the subjects that I took. I'm pretty sure there's more. Forgive me, I can't remember. But those were the ones that I remember right now. Oh, yeah, we have PE. Of course, we have PE. Um, yeah. And we, of course, also we had extracurriculars and all of that. But that's a whole other uh, discussion. Uh, we had three types of extracurriculars. We have uniform bodies. We have... Um, what was it? clubs and societies and then one more i can't remember but yeah uniform bodies would be like if you're going to be a police cadet firefighter a first aid um scouts and there's two types of scouts for some reason uh, uh and um and we even had lion dance yeah in malaysia one of our uniform bodies was lion dance so if you do not choose to be a police cadet a firefighter or whatever uh first aid you can join line dance where you learn the traditional line dance and it's 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 a lot more effort than people think because you have to like lean on each other and like do and uh, you have to learn the drums and stuff everything has to be on beat like yeah that was also considered one um yeah and there was a few others which which just bordered the line of scouts at first aid it was very confusing but yeah and then we had clubs and societies where you had um a music club and like all these other extracurricular stuff so yeah that's a little insight into, I guess, some Malaysian style, uh, like, weddings and then the education system. Um, yeah, I should, next time maybe I'll talk a lot about norms, but I hope this has been interesting for you if you've never been anywhere outside of Europe or, like, your Western country, because this can be very different. I am not very familiar with the Dutch um, primary or secondary system, so I can't say much on it. But I was I grew up in the Malaysian the primary and secondary system, so this is why I can elaborate on it. I am f more familiar with the Dutch lifestyle and university life and all of that, which I can talk about in another uh, episode, of course. But yeah, I hope uh, I hope it's been interesting to those who've never like explored anywhere outside of uh, Europe or America or Africa or wherever. You know, this is a little bit in insight into Malaysian st uh, system and yeah traditions and stuff and if you are from china uh, maybe you can make a good comparison between like how the malaysian did it the malaysian chinese did it versus your um the way you do it in china you know like and then that would be really interesting if uh you can contact me on my instagram if you want um or any of my other social media stuff or even my youtube but yeah it's always cool to start conversations so Anyways, um, hope this has been uh, of interest to you guys. And till next time, peace out.